So what's up? Uh, this is Jared Mursky. We are uh, on another episode of Rebranding Cannabis. Uh, and today we have none other than Sean Kemp, uh, the Rain Man. How you doing, brother? Oh, man. Every day is a good day. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> this is Rebranding Cannabis. I'm your host, Jared Mursky, and you're listening to the show that helps the industry grow. Hear from industry titans, thought leaders, and the up-and-coming founders of this multi-billion dollar industry. Presented by Wick and Mortar. Yeah, well, it's uh, raining outside, and we're both pretty probably used to that, huh? Yeah, it's just Seattle. It's the fall season. It's, uh, it's just that time. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's about getting ready and getting prepared for rainy nasty fall season no kidding so how are you dealing with uh covid right now good man just try to keep your distance from people and uh follow protocol i think um you know wear wear a mask as uh, most people are doing these days and i think uh, just be careful where you go limit your access to certain places yep yep so you're opening up a dispensary in downtown seattle called kemp's cannabis and i just went and toured this thing and it's awesome Tell me about that. It's been a lot of work, a lot of work. I work with a lot of good people, man. They put a lot of time into it. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm involved with Main Street Marijuana, and I think they've done a great job with uh, helping me do business here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. We're starting up very soon, and I think we have a pretty good team together. But we work together and able to uh, make some progress. Now, how did you meet these guys? Well, just uh, just by contact, just by contact, uh, reaching out to me. Uh, I was looking to get into the cannabis the business uh, months ago, so this was something that happened pretty fast, pretty simple, pretty quickly. And uh, these guys, uh, we met and talked, got to know each other pretty well. Yeah, they're good uh, guys. Yeah, they said definitely. They, been, they said they've been putting the project together, or at least that space, for a couple of years. Yeah, they've been going at it for at least uh, at least over a year. So you know, a lot of times these things take a while to to develop. So I think these guys deserve, deserve a lot of credit for their patience with uh, working with the city of Seattle. Yeah. Now, uh, now I guess, at what point did they approach you or did you guys decide that, hey, we were going to call it Kemp's Cannabis? Because I think it's a great idea. It's totally mm-hmm. nostalgic and it's definitely what the industry needs. Well, I think um, after, after we've talked and we met, then we came up with the, the idea of uh, calling it Sean Kemp Cannabis. Um, like I said, it's, it's, as far as the, the cannabis business itself, everything is really new to me, and I'm still learning the business. I think uh, working with these guys who have had, who got great, true experience in the game is going to be a true education for me. So uh, I'm just glad to partner with the right people for I can get the right education behind a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, Main Street Marijuana is the largest revenue producer, re- revenue-producing dispensary in the mm-hmm. state of Washington, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, which is impressive, uh, and they they started out of uh, I believe Vancouver, right? Yeah. Um, so when you when you got into cannabis, was it just because you were a consumer, or no, no, not just because I was a consumer. Actually, um, you know, one of the reasons I got into the cannabis business was there was no black owners in Seattle. So hopefully, you know, one of the things I one of my things that I, w- I would like to do to the community is to be able to promote this, to be able to do this, to be, have other people other than myself, not just the African-Americans, but also other people from nationalities also take a look at the cannabis business and actually get into it. So hopefully just not just about Sean Kemp getting into the business. This will be something that I can inspire people to do. Entrepreneurs do business that's been doing business already. Have you considered putting together some sort of uh, incubator uh, to help? you know, 
uh, the, the various different diverse groups thrive and succeed through some sort of learning platform? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that will come after success of the store. So I think you have to take things step by step first. So I think uh, our first job is to get this store open and to um, make it do well. And then from there, I think we can go to educate people, help people in the community learn about, you know, different variations of the business. What, what area of the business in cannabis are you most fascinated about? I mean, all of it. I think when you look at the cannabis business, and one of the reasons that I got into it is so much growth. You know, if you can see from the time that um, it went from illegal to legal, and even now it's, what, six years or seven years later, I think you can still see it's got a lot of room to grow. So, I, you know, I don't think we've really touched the bases on the cannabis business. Everything is still pretty new. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, I remember when I got started, it was, gosh, like 2008, and then I started my company in 2009. Mm-hmm. You know, we were the very first cannabis-focused branding and marketing firm in the world, and I remember uh, getting paid in, you know, weed and cash, right. and then trying to sell that weed. I was a terrible drug dealer. I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mouth is your biggest strong point in this game. I know, you know just not in drug dealing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the fact that you said that, you know, the cannabis industry definitely lacks diversity, mm-hmm. and it's extremely unfortunate that Nearly 234% of African-Americans get arrested and are more likely to get arrested rather than Caucasians. Absolutely. I've been one of those African-Americans that got arrested, so I totally understand that process. And I think, um, you know, it becomes an education of the business, but also it becomes a maturity of knowing what you want to do with yourself before you get into the business. Um, you know, getting into the cannabis business comes with great responsibility. So, uh, you know, that's the first thing that you have to be able to handle. And then outside of that, I think the, the sky's the limit. Well, speaking of the legal side, <laughs> let's talk about, uh, was it 2006, oh, Texas? 2006, Houston, Texas, yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the arrest, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. You know, I've only been in trouble once or twice in my life. Um, both, came from, uh, both came from marijuana convictions. Uh, um, I got arrested in Houston for having two joints in my car. Two joints. Two joints in Houston, they, they charged, and because of the grade of weed it was, they charged me with an ounce of weed. So. Those were some big joints. Those were big joints. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call those doinks? <laughs> So, um, I mean, it's just, like I said, it becomes such an education, man, as a young man. You know, uh, I think a lot of us grow up smoking pot, smoking weed, or however you want to call it or, or, or label it. And I think um, what we find out in life, as I did, after a couple of those convictions, you have to be very careful in what you do and how you do it. And that's before weed became legal. So um, even though weed is legal now, you still have to be careful. Uh, there's still a responsible way to do these things. Well, and that's what, that's, that's what I'm, and more than anything, that's what I want to promote to people. I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, we, we, we comes across as so dirty sometimes with people in conversations and things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a way that you can handle these things and do it in a professional sense. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, you, you meant you kind of bring this interesting point up and, there was, a, there was a test done by a company called Tree Rolls that we work with, and they had asked this group of people that wanted to engage in business with them to produce um, 
you know, cigarettes versus, um, you know, manufacture hemp cigarettes. And they were like, no, you should stay away from cigarettes and, and, you know, focus on hemp-based cigarettes. It's it's better for people, obviously. But the point is, is that I'm making is that the test was they asked people, they asked those people to go smoke cigarettes around a group of people and then go smoke weed around a group of people to see how they would now interact with the smell. And people who are smoking cigarettes around groups of people they don't like that. People right. don't want to be around cigarette smoke. Right. But when that weed comes out, they're like, ooh, where's that coming from? Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. a completely different time now. It is. It is. It's a different time. But, you know, it still comes with great responsibility. And I think, um, you know, more than anything, it's just, it's just not about people lacing up and smoking pot and weed all day, every day out in public. It, it's still, there's still a professional sense that you have to have behind your game of smoking and make sure that you're doing it the right way possible. Well, what's interesting about Washington state and you may or may not know this, but um, you know, it's illegal to smoke weed outside if it like in public areas. Right. So if I live in the city, I can't technically, I'm not allowed to smoke in my office. I'm not allowed to smoke in my apartment, not allowed to smoke outside. Where the hell am I supposed to smoke (laughs) weed? Right. So you have to, you have to be a homeowner. Right. And so it's just this really weird law that just doesn't make much sense so i basically told my apartment complex i was like look i know how to make sure my apartment doesn't smell like weed or at least the hallways don't Mm -hmm. i know the shower cap trick and the door towel trick and all that stuff but i'm not going to not smoke weed right well like i said i think it's the the way that you handle it Uh, your apartment probably don't have a problem with that it's probably the ones that's got the weed going down the hallway is what they're concerned (laughs) about so um i mean touche touche (laughs) There's, there's, a, like, there's good ways to do this. There's bad ways to do it. You know, you can drive down the freeway and see people smoking weed sometimes, but there's a professional way to do it. I don't know if you want to be that person, but there's definitely plenty of people out here doing it. Is there a professional way to smoke weed in the car? I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you. Smoke it before you get in the car. Well, you don't smoke at all when you drive. <laughs> we know that. We know that. Uh, you know, drive responsibly. A note from our sponsors. I don't know. I'm just joking. But seriously. Um, okay, so... Let's go back a little bit. When you played for, so you played for the Sonics. Um, you played for who else? Um, I played for Sonics. I played for Cleveland. Cleveland, yep. And I also played for Portland Trailblazers. And <laughs> also played for Orlando Magic. So, so it's uh, you're a you're a trailblazing, yeah, trailblazing Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I had good experience on both teams. Uh, you know, um, playing in Seattle, obviously I still live here. This, Seattle means a lot to me, the, the, and the people here in Seattle means a lot to me. Uh, this is where I learned how to become a millionaire at, so this is where I still live at. My wife's from here, my kids are from here, um, and uh, it's a good city. Yeah, when we first met mm-hmm. years ago, I think it was maybe nine years ago? Probably close to nine. Yeah, we met nine years ago. It was at Oscars. I walk in there. With my buddy Scott, I had no idea who you were. You're just picking up chairs, moving stuff around. And you're like, hey, what's up? I'm Sean. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's so fucking tall. And you must have been like, oh, my God, this guy's so fucking short. <laughs> That's what I said this morning. About <laughs> no, it was good times. The restaurant um, business was definitely a good experience. When I had a good experience, I was uh, there in Queen Anne for close to 10 years man, mm-hmm. with the restaurant. So, um, uh, you know, I started it when the Sonics were here. When the Sonics were here, and um, when the Sonics left, business business kind of went bad. But we still did we still did well as a business. So uh, the community definitely missing basketball more than anything. 
Oh, um, was it pretty hard for you to see the Sonics go? Definitely. Imagine. Yeah. Definitely. Not, not, not necessarily so hard for myself, but it was hard for me to see a lot of people lose their jobs. You don't realize how many people are working inside the arena and also the restaurants around the community and stuff like that. A lot of people, they lost a lot of money, man. They lost a lot of, a lot of hope. Did, uh, did you experience much of a, a fall from that outside of your business? I mean, not with me because of my name. I could do certain things that draw attention. I felt I felt pretty good about that, but I felt really bad for the other businesses that couldn't didn't have attraction. With myself, we we had attraction with BME. We just held more events with using my name, but for the rest of the restaurant restaurants there in Queen Anne, they were struggling because um, there was no attraction. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you got to remember there's 41, there's 82 uh, NBA games, there's 41 home games. So there's 41 days that those people probably made a pretty good income. Now it goes to zero. It's all mm-hmm. gone. So you got to have a, a, a soft spot for them. Yeah. Are you still in contact with a lot of the previous players you used to absolutely. ball with? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, we still talk, uh, you know, weekly. Me and Gary Payton, uh, Detlef Shrimp, uh, we, still, we still stay in touch, definitely. You guys got a, I, uh, I don't know if you're talking to Matt Barnes. I don't know if you guys know each other or not, mm-hmm. but, but uh, if you've seen his podcast, All the Smoke. Yeah, he's... Um, He's inviting me to it. You definitely should do that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, uh, I think I got a visit with him in like 15, 16 days. We're gonna do it. So. Well, when you see him, tell him I said what's up. I will. I yeah, see, yeah, he's the homie. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, so when did you start smoking weed? How how old were you? I mean, I've been knowing about weed for the majority of my life. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't smoke it as a youngster. Uh, I didn't smoke weed or even drink alcohol until. I was uh, over the age of 20. Me too. Yeah, That's, I yeah. was over the age of 20, so probably a late bloomer in the game. And, uh, you know, the reason is, is where I'm from, like back in the Midwest, it was always dirt wheat. Out here on the West Coast, you have actually flower wheat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of Chicago in Indiana, Elkhart, Indiana, which is about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Chicago. So, you used to get a lot of dirt back there it wasn't very attractive but once i got to seattle i started seeing a lot of flour and uh that made a world of difference now when did you move when did you move out of chicago i moved uh, i moved to seattle in 1989 my first year in seattle was in 1989 where'd you go to college at i went to university of kentucky i went to community community college in uh, athens texas trinity valley um, never played college ball, never practiced college ball. And then uh, after my freshman year of college, then I, um, I put myself in the draft. You were just like, hey, I'm tall as shit. I mean, I could play some ball a bit. A little bit, man. A little, little, I've always had a lot of confidence within myself. And I think um, after taking off a year of basketball, going to college. Uh, were people nudging you to do that, though? Or was that something you did on your own? I did on my own. Cool. So... Yeah, I mean, it came down, I asked 100 people. It was 99 no's and one yes. So I bet on myself. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's yeah, always should, good to bet on yourself. It right? is. Well, yeah. it's done really well for you. Yeah. So, so um, now you got some kids. Yeah. How many kids you got? I got seven. Seven kids. Yep. All in, col- all in college or graduated. Now, I, I hear uh, a lot of them are doing very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. well, yeah. Like, like father, like son. And like yeah, father, yeah, yeah, I mean... That's what it's for. I mean, the only thing I ask for my kids really personally is to do something that their dad didn't do. 
So that means you got to graduate college. I've did pretty much everything else. So their, their only responsibility was to go to school and graduate college, and they've done that. So um, I'm proud of them for do, doing that. Do you, do you personally think that uh, you need college in order to be successful? No, you don't need college to be successful, but it's not a bad tool to have. No, what did they go to school for? Well, it depends. One of, one's, a, one's going to school to be an attorney. One's going to school to be a, uh, a doctor. Um, my son, Sean Jr., graduated from University of Washington. Uh, he's working, working at, was working at Amazon. Um, so, Damn, have you kids smoke weed? Only one, Sean Jr. Sean Jr. <laughs> <laughs> like, no okay. Only one. like father, like, like son. Yeah. Like father, like son. No doubt about it. Are you, uh, you, you're pretty close with all your kids, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's awesome. Yeah. That's the way it has to be. I mean, you know, the great deal of fatherhood is that, you know, some people look at the backlash of having kids, but after, um, you know, for me, it was a turning point in my life because it, it made me become more mature. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, sometimes people can look at these things and they say, oh, well, this guy has seven kids, so this is. But true fact, those seven kids made me become really responsible, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, you can't have that many kids and not be responsible. You have to be there for them every day. And, um, you know, that becomes most important in your life. Yeah, we were talking about Ricky Williams earlier, and yeah. Yeah, he's got a few kids himself. Right. We were, uh, Derek and I were just at his place a couple of weeks ago, and uh, his, uh, his son Prince looks just like him, <laughs> spitting image. We were saying if they ever made a, a movie about Ricky in his younger years, they'd probably use him. He has the same hair, same everything. Oh, man, it's insane. Well, yeah, it's insane. Do, do your kids, any of your kids look just like you? Oh, yeah. Junior, Junior's, uh, he's a bigger version of me. He's a little bigger than me. Really? Yeah. So, like uh, taller? Taller. Yeah. Oh, what? How tall are you? I'm 6'10", so Junior's, uh, he's, he's a 6'11". Um, <laughs> he's a big boy, man. I bet if I stand on that stage over there while you stand on the ground, we'll still be the same height. <laughs> I'm going to be still a little taller than you. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when you, I kind of want to go back to when you were playing basketball. Did you, play, did you smoke while you were playing? Certain times. Depends. Certain times I did, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, there was sometimes before the games we, we smoked. So uh, just depends. It, it, it really, I think when it comes to smoking weed, it's a, it's a priority, man. It's, a, it's what you feel. It's what you feel, and, and it's not something that you, you have to, but it's dependent on your feeling. Well, I, I mean, I know a lot of athletes use mm-hmm. it for or as a modality, mm-hmm. right? They want to use it as a wellness or a healing product of mm-hmm. some sort, right? But for you, was it, was it more just, I guess, what was your, what was your use for yeah, it? Yeah, my, my usage was more, more after the games. We smoked and drink more for relaxation. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to use it for pain. I wasn't in an amount of pain or anything to play the game of basketball. Uh, so um, generally, it was just something that we did uh, amongst each other, probably after games and uh, throughout the night and stuff. But uh, it wasn't something that we, you know, necessarily depended on it. Like I had a certain back or a knee pain. I wasn't one of those guys. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever like? you know, smoke strains and then, you know, take notes as to how you felt about each of them. I, some people journal, some people don't. <laughs> I've just recently started doing that only because um, I know when I smoke this Blue Dream stuff that I get from my friends at American Hashmakers, um, this, like it, I mean, it's always consistent. I'm, it makes me feel like I'm always in my creative zone. So I love it. Right. And I think, well, certain ways does. I have never got to the point where I'm taking notes. That's actually pretty impressive that you do that. 
But um, I think in my mind, you, you start to realize what, what strains you like and what strains you don't. Um, I but I always feel like there's something, there's, there's a certain way that it makes you f- feel. Like if you, re- if you smoke it consistently, mm-hmm. so what I'll do is I'll just smoke one strain consistently for maybe like three days. And I won't, I'll try not to smoke anything else just so I can see how it is I actually feel consistently. Mm-hmm. Because that'll help me determine how that works with me because our endocannabinoid system is different for everybody. Right. Also, and I think um, the reason the smoking is different for everyone too. Like, you know, some people are trying to, um, you know, not remember things. Some people are trying to, you know, be separated for things. Some people are just trying to slow things down. So I think the root, you know, everybody's rules are a little different. Do you have any favorite strains? Uh, I actually like, uh, I'm a sativa guy. Are you? No. Let's see. We, well, is anything really a sativa? Not really. Is anything really? It's, it's really all, all it's, it's all a hybrid, right? So let's smoke some. You want to? Which one did you like? You want to try this one? What do you have going on over there? Well, this is some 1937 farm stuff that I've got over here as well. But they just dropped this off yesterday. I've been smoking this Hashmakers, American Hashmaker stuff for the last, like, I don't know, month straight. So it might be nice to try something different for this particular moment. Sweep that up later. All right. It's a violation. You know that, right? What? Smoking inside. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. There you go. I'm gonna rip the spider. Can we get another lighter? Nice. Alright, this thing is a little tricky. rips <coughs> do you have a do you have a preferred method of smoking usually uh, paper joints paper joints yeah no doubt well here got some wick and mortar hey. cones put them to good use later there you go so um Let's kind of get back to the shop because I want to hear a little bit more about how you intend on integrating more of the nostalgia behind the Sonics and and Sean Kemp himself mm-hmm. as it relates to the store. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a it's a pre, pretty much a a combination. Um, you know, and myself uh, and people want basketball around here so much. Being close to Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It's a it's a great time. It's a great time for me to do business in that particular area, simply because I think we're we're coming to a stage of uh, making a big push to have the team back here in mm-hmm. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, the hockey team has now arrived in Seattle. The Cravens. Um, you mean the Krakens? The Krakens. Yep. I love. What do you think about that, by the way? The Kraken name is great. I love it. Yeah, I think I, I think they're going to do great, and I think it's great for the city. I have a Kraken bong right there. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Coincidentally, cool. yeah. Yeah, but I think this is a, a good time because they're they're getting a, their own identity now. Mm-hmm. The arena's going to get done, 
So um, in the next couple of years, I think it'll be a strong push to the NBA to bring the Sonics back. Whether it be us go out, the city goes out and buy a team, or they be an expansion done in the draft or, or into the team. So It'd be cool if the players like you and Peyton and mm. bought them. Right. Well, I think um, <laughs> I will tell you this. <clears throat> you guys talked about coming, coming together? Well, I, I think what you will see is when the, when the Sonics do come back to the to Seattle, you'll see me, myself, and, and uh, Gary, and Detlef, guys like that definitely have a strong say-so in, in a number of things over there. We'll That's going to be awesome. You know, we'll definitely work with them, for sure. We've talked about this before. Well, I, uh, I look forward to the day that happens. We mm. all miss the Sonics a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Seattle did a lot for the, for the community. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, I started off here in 1989 just doing public events around the community for the, for the Sonics uh, who identif- identified me with the community. And I'm still here years later uh, doing stuff for the community. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great community to be around and work for around here. But also, uh, we definitely miss the team. We miss the game of basketball. Um, you know, uh, the, kids, the kids miss that around here. Um, you can see it in the kids because there's so many kids from Seattle who have now made it to the NBA. Those mm-hmm. kids were generally inspired by guys as myself, Gary, Detlef, Sam Perkins. So to see a lot of kids make it into the NBA from this area, mm-hmm. then it just tells me that we definitely need the game of basketball back around here. Well, there's no question that you are going to be extremely successful in this venture, mm-hmm. given the fact that you're you know, one of the biggest team players of them all. and. Mm-hmm. The team that I met at the shop today, great guys and yeah. gals. You no, know, yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely, and that's the that's the beauty part about this. It's just not about Sean Kemp himself. It's about the team. Yep, it's about the team. I work with a lot of good people, man, and um, it's been fun to work with them so far. I'm looking forward to even working with them longer because we have a great relationship. And it's about diversity and 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 inclusion and social equity programs and. You know, yeah. making sure that we're, you know, all playing our part to make sure that everyone has a, an opportunity and a fighting chance right. to thrive in this industry and or business alike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, generally in life, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Yep. So, um, you know, as I said before, this, this, this cannabis, this marijuana, even though it's been out for a few years and it's probably six, seven years legal, um, you know, it's, it's, it's still new to a lot of people. And, uh, and definitely, I think people should take a closer look at it. Hopefully, I can inspire them to take a look at it business-wise to, uh, you know, to do some positive things with themselves. What are some of the areas that you want to educate people on and around the most as it relates to you personally? Because I know that the, the store mm-hmm. itself may have a much larger agenda as it relates to education mm-hmm. because there's so many facets. Right. But for you personally, is there like a sweet spot for you? No, I mean, just the, I mean, the, the best spot about this story is just me being in contact with the people in Seattle. You know, that's what I enjoy doing. I, I enjoy working with the people in Seattle, being in contact, meeting and greeting, and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, when I was at the store, mm-hmm. I noticed you had a couple NBA Jam machines. Yeah, there you go, see? Yeah, yeah. We, yep. we got a couple NBA Jam machines in there, and um, they'll be ready for great use soon. Well, I almost wonder, is that going to cause... Is that gonna? Uh, there's gonna be people just lingering around that machine. No, yeah, we gotta put a we gotta put a time limit on top of the machine. You know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How are you, are you pretty good at that game? I was pretty good at that game. We'll, we'll see in the future, but I think I am pretty. So good, so. so okay. So I gotta ask you this because I, you know me being in branding and marketing. Right. 
how did that like when that game came about tell mm-hmm. me tell me how that happened and like how did they integrate you and like what was that experience like no it was actually cool when that game came out the nba james machine games came out they actually got in contact with me before it came out so i was one of the guys who got one of the first original games so we used to we would actually go <laughs> <laughs> we would actually play i was actually playing in my sonic uniform at um at the arena at, at Seattle Coliseum, and then we would actually go home and have parties, and we would be playing the NBA Jam Machine. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a very similar effect of uh, of uh, men and their, their their compassion for uh, winning. Put it that way. That is so cool. <laughs> now that was how long ago did that game came out? That was like Super so, NES. The game had to come out. I'm gonna say in 1995, 1994. Does that pay well? Do they pay you good for that? I mean, is that, I don't, I don't know idea. What you don't. Mean? Well, I get paid through the NBA through my licensing, so I get paid through a number of things. So jerseys, video games, um, you know. But like right now, a lot of it's slowed down because we don't have a Seattle team. You know, fortunately, I'm still a pretty popular player where my jerseys and stuff will sell. But you know, for for entitlement of as far as the city, we're, we're struggling right now because. There's only one person in Seattle that sells the supersonic gear. Who? Mitchell and Ness? Mitchell and Ness. They're a great brand. Yeah. I really, yeah. yeah so. I was trying to find a jersey to, to, to buy before, mm-hmm. before this, mm-hmm. to have you sign it to add to the collection. And yeah. the only ones that were available were Mitchell and Ness. And I, the, all of the Kemp's jerseys mm-hmm. were like three weeks out, two right. or three. So you're a, you're a hot item right now, apparently. Yeah, no, I, trust me, it's, uh, it's been going pretty good. I've, um, yeah, I've still been signing lots and lots and lots for companies. Uh, um, the demand is still definitely there. Um, you know, I, I just signed 10,000 jerseys a couple of days ago. So, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm at the age of 50. If you can still. You look so, good. Black man. don't crack. Hey. You said it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it's going well. I think um, you take good care of yourself, good, you have good results. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you still play ball? Do you eat healthy? Yeah, I eat healthy. I, I mean, I, I keep myself in pretty decent shape. How I'm often, active. How often do you smoke a day? How often? I, I, we're, we're smoking every day, man. All day, every day? We're living all day, every day. We're smoking all day, that's every day. That's true. That's true. It's living the high life. Yeah, I mean, that's what you, you, you work hard to play hard. You know... That is very true. That is very true. Um, now, one thing I'm curious about, given the fact that after this podcast, we're then now going on a tour to um, SPP, have you considered launching your own actual cannabis products? Absolutely. And that's one of the, um, that's one of the avenues. As I say, being new to this, this game, I'm working with the right people, and we're taking certain steps to get there. Um, obviously that's one of the things that we want to achieve eventually, but we want to go, go about it the right way. I mean, just to give myself a shameless plug, if you need some help, I'd love to help you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, and the reason I asked is because, you know, one of the things that I like to generally talk about on rebranding cannabis mm-hmm. is packaging right? and, um, because packaging is so important to the cannabis industry as far mm-hmm. as a communication tool, mm-hmm. what are the things that you are attracted to? Well, I, I mean, packaging would be one, but I think uh, really just uh, just seeing how many different kinds of uh, products there is. 
I think is 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 uh, is is a is a lesson for me. Whether it be wax, whether it be oil, whether it be CBD, it, you know, uh, lotion. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing just seeing how many products there are. Um, is is really just a learning experience for myself. Do you have uh, Do you have any favorite brands? Not necessarily favorite brands yet. Um, I think. Um, I'm going to hold off on announcing my favorite brand until I come out with one. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, that there's, there's always, you know, various strains that mm-hmm. I like from different growers and, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it's just never consistent, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the unfortunate thing because strain specificity is sometimes hard to maintain certain right. levels of consistency when you're growing it on such a large scale. Absolutely. It takes a lot of work. It does. It does. But one of the reasons why I asked you about packaging is because some companies they'll sell it in, you know, Mylar bags, some will Mm -hmm. do jars Mm -hmm. and, you know, some will, uh, you know, they, they won't put any effort into their packaging and they've got fire weed. Right. Uh, and then there's other brands that have shitty weed, but they have great packaging. Right. Right. Um, when I think about, uh, how packaging is introduced into, let's say the, the, the Kemp store, perhaps, Mm -hmm. um, the brand that you want to create, you know, are there any considerations that you've made yet as it relates to the products that you want to create and the packaging style that you want to pursue? Not necessarily. We haven't made it, at least I haven't made any um, suggestions on the packaging yet. But I think, um, you know, we're looking into it. I like, I like these glasses, no doubt. I think everything should be kept in a glass. Yeah. Well, there's this company that... Um, uh, they've got some really cool, like proprietary packaging solutions. They're called Zenpack. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they've got this really cool locking mechanism. It's like a paper stock, card stock, and you can put your joints in there. You can do vape pens, dab pens. I mean, all that stuff. And right. and that works really well because when you're talking about the rules and regulations as it relates to packaging, you know, you know just as much as I do that. You know, there are those rules you've got to follow. Yeah. So uh, when you get into um, when you get into the the uh, I guess the overall branding and design, have you considered you know what the feeling or emotion is that you want to attach? Do you want it to be kind of like one of those nostalgic brands? Well, no. I just um, and this is God's honest truth. I think I I want to I want to get my true education. In this, in this cannabis by going in and talking to several different companies, seeing what they have to offer first. Good. Yeah, before I, I think if I come out and I say exactly what I want, then I, I'm cutting myself short a little bit. I think I need to be open mind while I'm, while I'm meeting these people and then put everything together on a piece of paper and look at it at the end. Great answer, great answer. So, um, you know, other than the retail store, is there anything else that you'd like to share that you've got going on? No, man, it's like, you know, this is a, um, I'm going to do the same thing I've always done. I think uh, even though this is a weed store that we're open, I'm still going to give back to the community. I'm still going to be hosting events, doing stuff for the community. That's not going to change. Uh, you know, that's what I've been doing the whole time that I've been here in Seattle by giving back, and I'll still give back. This is just uh, another way that gives me another, another option to give back. In certain ways, so uh, you know, I wish there was. I wish there was some sort of program that we could create that could help um, clean Seattle's transient situation. 
mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because there's there's just a lot of and I mean clean it in a in a positive way that helps these people because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people there that have you know mental health issues and uh, right. you know it, and then there's a lot of drug use obviously but there's I think clearly an opportunity to do more good to help clean the city especially mm-hmm. in areas where you mm-hmm. know your shop is located and, and yeah. also where i live no i i totally agree i think um that's a great idea and i i walk i'm one of the guys that walk at the park every day every morning and then we go through on certain days and just help clean up the park so i'm all for I'm all for um, setting up a program to, to get some of these areas started, you know, to go through and help them get cleaned up, to pick up paper, pick up needles, pick up whatever. Because, you know, um, I moved to Seattle in 1989. This was like one of the cleanest places I had ever seen in my life as far as the cities. And now I drive around the city and I see, uh, I see some things that make me, me think differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, it was called, I think, I can't remember if it was Oregon or Colorado, but they had done this. They did this program where they gave the homeless free joints mm-hmm. for picking up trash. Mm-hmm. I, don't I was know like, if, I don't, like, brilliant, right. but you can't do that here. Right. And yeah. The state of Washington is pretty strict on yeah. what you can do as far as giving away product and stuff like that. Um, you know, I always will double check those laws. And make yeah, we sure. can't do that here. I know that for but, sure. I mean, but I think that's a great idea. I, I wish I we mean, could. I mean, it's, and, you know, some of these, I, I think when you, some of these things could probably be contested and maybe changed eventually. Um, but I think it's going to take some work. Yeah, no question about that. Well, look, Sean, it has been an absolute honor and pleasure mm-hmm. having you on my podcast, bro. No, man, thank you for having me. This is, this is great. That's what's up, man. Yeah. You got a jersey coming. Oh, hell yeah. And, <laughs> and it's dope. We got to see each other again nine years yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it was uh, one of your, I knew one of your workers here, too, and it's been about nine years since I've, I've, I've seen him, so. Mitch, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of cool. Yep, yeah. yeah, he was telling me about that. That's yeah. awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, um, again, thanks for being on Rebranded Cannabis. You know, our goal on this show is really to help change the perception of cannabis on, mm-hmm. on a global level, you know, one brand at a time. And, you know, when I look at you, you are a brand and right. you are a very well-known, um, you know, influential individual for a number of reasons. And I, again, couldn't be more proud to be sitting here with your brother. So thank you again for being here. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.